Our focus text today comes from the Gospel of Luke, the 10th chapter, verses 38 to 42. I invite you to follow along on your screens. Now, as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, so she came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken from her. All right, it is quiz time. I have two multiple choice questions that I would like your participation in answering. If you have absolutely no idea, well, then you can just guess. Now, as of this year, how many official words are in the English language, according to Merriam-Webster's online dictionary? Is it A, 120,000 words? Is it B, 250,000 words? Is it C, 470,000? Or is it D, 521,000? <laughs> Take a moment to think about that. Give you about 10 seconds to get your answer in place in your head or play with whoever you're watching this video with and we'll get right back to the answer. And the correct answer is C, 470,000. Yeah, there are 470,000 entries in the Merriam-Webster English Dictionary. Other dictionaries, like the Oxford English Dictionary, list around 600,000 terms just to let you know that dictionaries do vary on this. We have so many words are at our disposal to fit together or to integrate, combine, connect, mesh, intertwine, interlink, associate, lock, or join to form sentences that can communicate complex concepts, emotions, experiences, and great stories. We really do. By contrast, if we were to go back to England during the Elizabethan era, during the 16th century, how many words would you have access to in order to tell the great stories of life? Now, for reference, this is the time that Shakespeare was creating all of his masterpieces. So, on this one, is the correct answer A, 20,000 words? Is it B, 50,000 words? Is it C, 72,000 words? Or is it D, 150,000 words? Again, I'll give you just about 10 seconds to think about the right answer. And um, after that, I'll give you the, the right answer. All right, and the answer is D, right around 150,000 words, according to a number of different historians. <laughs> now, I do have to say this. If you are a historian or a linguist and want to dispute those numbers or anything else I have said so far, well, have at it, seriously. But don't debate with me because the only thing that I really care about is helping you to see how many more words are at our disposal to express concepts, thoughts, and ideas with others than we had in the past. We have so many more now. It is absolutely incredible.
If having access to some words are good, then more has to be better, right? There is an irony that I experience on a daily basis. We have access to more terms in our language than we ever have had as a species, and yet, on a daily basis, I struggle to trust that most of the words that I encounter actually bring to reality the concept they describe. Another way of saying that, I don't trust the words that I encounter. I don't find them trustworthy. So let me give you an example from my past when Emily and I lived in Northwest Minnesota. Now this was at the time about six months after having our first daughter and I was approached by someone I kind of knew, an acquaintance. He and his partner were roughly the same age as us and his words to me one day were this, Chad, would you and Emily like to go out with us on Friday? We know what it's like to have young kids and we want to take you out to get to know you better and have some fun. Now, at that point in our life, being away from family, in a new community, in a new job, with an infant who did not sleep at night, oh man, our existence was tough. And this person's words were just what was needed. They were life-giving words. And so I said, of course, that would be absolutely great. <laughs> so we go out on Friday and it's enjoyable. I'm having a really good time, but, but about halfway through our evening, this guy speaks more words. He says this, Chad, I want to talk to you about something. I know you two are health conscious and like to stay in shape. My wife and I sell these supplements that you might be interested in. Let me show you my catalog. Oh my gosh, yeah, I am not kidding. On the way home, I combined swear words in a way that no one else has ever done before to come up with super swear words not found in the dictionary to describe what I thought about this guy and his supplements. I mean, who does that? You want a few more examples? Well, here you go. At her wedding, a woman says to her partner, speaks these words, I will love you forever. Two years later, she says, I want a divorce. I can't stand you. I can't stand what you've become, what you do. I also want the kids to live with me. <laughs> At your door, a good looking man seeking political office hands you a flyer and says, Oh, you can trust me to deliver on my promises. <laughs> yeah, I'll stop right there on that one, right? Large companies take hundreds of words, shrink them down to three-point font, and then on the phone tell you, of course you have to pay to get your computer fixed. It doesn't matter if it's only been three weeks since you bought it. The fine print on the purchase agreement clearly states in our terms of service that without the purchase of a service plan, you are responsible for paying the full service rate. <laughs> I am told that in the past, our ancestors would use their words to tell the story of their tribe or the story of their family or their community, or even their country as a way to pull people together around a shared history, a shared identity. 
Today, we really don't have any shared narratives or stories that bind us together and build a sense of community or family. We are individuals with personal stories, words meant only for us, that are often at odds with others, which makes us feel alone and isolated. I tell you all of this as a buildup to a huge, important question for us today. What words was Jesus saying? What story was Jesus telling that caught, memorized, pulled at Mary to such a degree that she would stop performing her duties and listen to Jesus? Because I want to hear that story. I want to hear those words. Over the last 15 years, I feel like I have talked about the story of Mary and Martha a lot. And I always bring up the cultural shocking part of the story. Yes, in an honor and shame society, there is a cultural priority to provide good hospitality to your guests. <laughs> there is. Yes, to not do so would bring shame on your house and your family. Yes, traditionally only men sat and learned at the feet of his rabbi. Yes, in sitting at Jesus' feet, Mary not only neglects her duty to offer hospitality, she's also crossing a cultural line by acting like a male in her culture. Yes, Martha's reaction to call out her sister is completely understandable because Mary is bringing shame on her family. And finally, yes, absolutely, Jesus' reaction is unfathomable as he lifts up Mary's choice. Then, over the last 15 years, I would say something about the importance of rest or listening or, I, I don't know, something, something else like that. But not now. No, not, not now. Not, not today. Um, I, I can't, I just can't do it. T today, I want to know. I do, I, I guess I want to know what words Jesus is speaking and what story he is telling that makes Mary do what she does or, or I guess not do what is expected. What story is possibly that good? In a world where words are unreliable, what is Jesus saying that is so compelling to her? Oh, I really, I really want to know. I really do. So, think about the stories that you know. Ones that are told to you by your family. Ones that you have learned through your education. Ones that our culture tends to tell. What story have you heard that made you take notice? That made you feel alive? That filled you with hope? That was transformative, that stopped you dead in your tracks, dropped you to your butt, all so that you could tune out the rest of the world to give your full attention to the words being spoken. <laughs> Can you think of such a story? Emily and I recently finished listening to a story, a book during our time in the car traveling over the 4th of July holiday. For about 10 hours, the narrator on Audible read to us 341 pages or 100,464 words to be exact. I liked the story. It was funny. It was well written. 
Of the 470,000 words in the English language, the author was very intentional about which words to use and strung them all together to create a lovely piece of entertainment. A way to pass the time in the car, but that is all that story was. Entertainment. A momentary blip on the radar. A story that I will soon forget. The words, the words in that story did not move me. The story did not transform me. There was no transcendent experience, and to be fair, that wasn't what the author was going for. But nonetheless, I do wonder, in a world where the words we speak seem so cheap, so manipulative, so bland, does any story anymore have the power to capture our imaginations in transformative ways to truly, honestly give us hope. Mary heard something in Jesus' words. What is striking about Jesus' story is that his words lead to what they describe. They lead to an experience. When Jesus says that the kingdom of God has come near to love your neighbor as yourself, that the poor are blessed, that the last shall be first, that the kingdom of God belongs to children, that the kingdom of God is like a farmer who goes out one day and indiscriminately scatters seed. His words, Jesus' words, are followed with action. They create the reality that they describe. And soon Jesus' story begins to spread as people are healed Relationships are restored, and the least are welcomed. Jesus' words of compassion blur the boundary between friend and enemy. Jesus' words of forgiveness uh, make it difficult to carry resentment. Jesus' words of love make it hard to fear your neighbors who are different than you. Jesus' words of grace make it hard to form conditional relationships. Jesus' words make room for any who have been excluded and in the process turn the world upside down. Words that lead to acts of love and kindness for family and friends are expected in our world. We care for those that we love after all. But words that lead to acts of love and kindness for complete strangers, wow, those are unexpected. And, and the experience does something to you. It, it breaks your brain. It stuns you. And if I had to speculate, these kinds of words cause anyone, let's just call her Mary, to stop serving her guest because what your guest is saying is so good, so true, so life-giving, so transformative, so powerful that you just want to sit and listen. <laughs> People of of Bethlehem and anybody else who's joining us for our online service, our story is Jesus' story. And it's just as powerful and transformative today as it was centuries ago. As we go forward in our ministry together, may you come to encounter the story of Christ fully. And in that encounter of Jesus' words, may you have hope and be transformed to live into the kingdom of God that Jesus proclaimed. May God's story, God's words create that which they describe in your life. And may your words do the same for others. This is the power of our story. 
It is the good news that we hear today in our gospel. Thanks be to God for that. Amen. After hearing our focus reading and the reflection on that reading, here are a couple of reflection questions that you can discuss with family, journal about, or think about individually to help you develop a deeper, more robust faith life. Question number one, what is your experience with words? Do you trust them? Do you believe the words you encounter every day? Do they bring to pass that which they describe? And question number two, do you know the story of our faith? Is it compelling and or is it transformative for your life? Think about this and, and why is it or why is it not?